0: Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, January the 24th, 2018 at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of Happy for the Day. And, uh, Wendy, I'm very pleased to report that the weather has warmed up a, a bit, although it did get a little colder today. But the rain is gone. I actually got a walk-in today, so I, I'm feeling good. And uh, on top of that, uh, good things are happening with the book project, so I'm feeling even more good. <laughs> Yay! it's something i mean uh i i don't know what the exact count is i think we're up to like 43 or 44 authors so far so we're really close to filling all the spots and i'll be glad when that's done because now i can start focusing on all the wonderful stories that have been coming in and these stories i gotta tell you i mean yours was great and there are others that come in that are really really good um this this is going to be one heck of a book by the time we're done people are going to want to read this book and i i can't be more thrilled about that It's just, I'm just excited. That's so
1: great. That's (laughs) so awesome. Yeah. Because we know that the purpose of the the stories are to inspire. And, you know, you can't ever have enough inspiration. So I really look forward to it. So I can be inspired by other people's thoughts.
0: I mean, this is actually one project. I've edited a lot of stuff over the years. This is one editing project where I'm really looking forward to the editing. (laughs) Because it's normally not a whole lot of fun to edit. You know, you're doing like typo corrections and rearranging sentences and stuff like that. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna, I can hardly wait for this one.
2: <laughs> oh that's so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I
1: mean there's nothing more fun than to work on something that you really enjoy.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. and if you're inspired along the way, all the better.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and I love the fact that we're focusing on stories. I mean, we could have made it like a book of Chapters on various topics related to, you know, applying the law of attraction and so forth. But that just seemed to me to be like, you know, what every other law of attraction book out there is like. Here's how to do the law of attraction. Here's what I learned. Here's my special tips. Here are seven tips on how to apply. You know, it's like they're all over the place. But you don't hear a whole lot about manifestation stories, you know.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that this book idea, at least from my corner of the world, is unique because I don't think I've ever heard of anybody just writing a book on insp- inspiring you know, tales of how law of attraction uh, manifested in their life.
0: Well, I know Rhonda Byrne did put one out. I can't remember what it's called, but it was based on the letters that she received after she published The Secret. And, of course, Mm. she got a ton of mail out out of that. And and out of that mail, she pieced together a book of manifestation stories. So I know that one exists. But you're right. There aren't a whole lot of them out there. So we're kind of entering a zone that is relatively untread.
1: (laughs) That's cool. Well, people have asked me many times, you know, like, Wendy, you've got so much knowledge of the law of attraction. You know, are you going to write a book? And I have to tell you, I haven't, haven't like, sat down to say, okay, I'm going to write this now. But I've, like, jotted ideas down multiple times. And every time I have, i thought to myself, this just feels like a retread, Mm. you know, like just more how-to information. And I personally am a believer that we don't need any more how-to information just in a generic kind of way. Um, What's much more relevant to me is to be inspired so that you get curious and you want to know how to apply it. Because to me, it's the application that makes the difference. It's not the knowledge. If you need the knowledge, the knowledge will come. As a matter of fact, law of attraction will bring it. To that's you. true. <laughs> but we don't. We just don't need another glut of information. Oh, so there's so much of it out
0: there too. Oh, I mean, but you, to me,
1: between our show and between this book, I think we're really in line with really providing something that's quite valuable.
0: Oh yeah, we're. we're this is definitely groundbreaking stuff. Um, this, this idea that we were kind of pioneering that law of attraction should be fun, that learning to be a deliberate creator should be fun. I mean, you don't get that too often. You get people saying it occasionally, but you don't get it as like a regular menu, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really psyched about it. And clearly our listeners like what's happening in terms of the podcast, cause they're listening in, in droves uh, to numbers of, of episodes per listener per month. So we know that part is working. And I just see the book being like a, an extension of that in a big way. So yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. And awesome. uh, now I also have to tell you that with the number of, of authors being down to like six or seven spots left, I don't remember what the exact number is. I'm really hopeful this thing's going to fill up within the next day or two. Now, unfortunately I haven't been able to do any promotion of it in the last four days or so. <laughs> well, that's not true. I did some on Sunday, but even so people are still signing up for them. You know, the, uh, the referral uh, effect, if you want to call it that, or or you know, one person telling their friend about it and mm-hmm. so forth, that effect is really kicking into gear, and it, it just kind of reinforces, you know, the universe will deliver. But sometimes I feel like I need to give the universe a help, so I got to do some more recruiting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and the best thing is if there's more action required on your part when you get that nudge to do it, then you know it's the right thing to do.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And when you follow the nudge. To do something, because you're being led to do it by the universe, you usually get really good results. Or you get results that gives you new information so you can take a new action.
0: And and I find it's always better to follow a nudge than to be a nudge, so I like that philosophy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Did you just make that up? I
0: did.
2: So anyway, we're going to be
0: talking today about something that kind of uh, captures my attention because I see it a lot. I think you probably see it a lot, too, as a coach and, and just, you know, in, in business life and so forth, how it's almost like people think that the law of attraction only applies when they're thinking about it. And if they're not consciously mm-hmm. thinking about the law of attraction, it doesn't seem to to be a situation where anything works. So it raises the question, can you hide from the law of attraction? That's our title for today. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, I'm not sure. What do you do? Do you hide behind a bush? I'm not sure how you hide from the law of attraction, but it's an interesting question. I mean, what do you think?
1: Well, honestly, you know, I, I, I don't think you can hide from it. Um, but what I do think is that people cannot know about it. That's true. They cannot recognize it or understand how it operates. Yeah. Um, but thank goodness. The law of attraction operates whether we know about it or not. Thank goodness we don't have to pull a lever to get it activated. (laughs) Um, Just like could you imagine if every morning you had to like pull a lever or do something specific to like remind your body to breathe?
2: That's
1: right. (laughs) You know, and halfway through the day you're coughing and gagging because you can barely get any air and go, (laughs) Oh, no, I forgot to pull the lever this morning to make certain that I breathe today. (laughs)
0: It sounds like what I they used mean, to call a dumb, a dumb blonde joke. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> you would well, forget I mean, how to, what how I just to breathe. That was mean.
1: a completely erroneous, silly thing. Yeah. But it's pretty I, – I think it's pretty accurate in terms of law of attraction. It's just like, you know, we do understand gravity, or we do at least acknowledge the sun comes up every day. I know. Some people say, no, it doesn't come up because of gravitational things and which direction we move. But whatever, bottom line – We see the sun come into our view every day, unless you live in Alaska. Um, But we take that for granted. And we don't question, you know, is the sun going to come up? We don't question, is the moon going to show up? We don't question, will grass grow? We don't question, will trees grow? You know, these are things we don't question. And thank goodness we don't have to press levers to make all those things happen. And I think law of attraction is kind of in that same vein. It just is.
0: And yet there is a... there, there is a definite um, prevailing view, shall we call it. I, I'm not sure if it, it's a conscious view, but you, you see it a lot, particularly among uh, people who are just learning how to deliberately create. And they talk about how they, you know, they're they, they were trying to deliberately create something and they put it out there and they had all kinds of emotion behind it. And then they focus on all this other stuff that doesn't really work well with it or in some cases works against it. And then they claim, I don't understand why it isn't working. But they, they seriously don't see that, that they're blocking it in any way. They, and they don't see that this other stuff is actually also LOA applicable. They, they just see it as like, well, well, that's just other stuff that I do. It has nothing to do with law of attraction.
1: And to me, the false premise in that kind of thinking is that you or we as humans actually have the ability to make, make law of attraction work or not work. Good point. Because the point is, it's always at work. So really what we're talking about is wanting to utilize what already is in a deliberate way.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of like saying, I'm going to make gravity force the car to fall off the cliff.
1: Yeah, you don't have to do that.
0: No, I mean, the car can fall off the cliff, but you don't have to actually make it fall off the cliff. It just kind of falls.
1: Yeah, (laughs) And And hopefully it doesn't fall off the cliff at all. You work with the law of gravity, which is if you push a very heavy object over a space where there's nothing to hold it up, it's going to fall. Yeah. You know? but It's, uh, it's like the Monty know, Python joke.
0: There, there was a Monty Python joke that I used to love a lot. It was a, it was like a little skit. Uh, one guy's interviewing another guy because this other guy claims that he knows how to put bricks to sleep. And the other guy says, oh, sure, yeah, I've been doing that for years. And, and the interviewer says, well, could you give us a demonstration? Uh, the guy says, well, sure, Okay. So the interviewer brings out a brick and puts it down on the table and says, "Okay, put this brick to sleep." And the guy says, "Well, that one's already asleep."
1: <laughs> oh, that's a really bad joke. I really—that's Monty Python.
0: <laughs> it is. And then, and then the guy being interviewed picks up the brick, throws it in the air, and he's waving his fingers at it right down to the table and says, "See, fast asleep." <laughs>
2: Oh, that's funny.
0: <laughs> so imagine if you tried to apply the law of attraction in the same way. You tried to make the law of attraction put the brick to sleep. I mean, it just doesn't even make any sense when you look at it that way.
1: But, you know, um, I think there is a lot of misunderstanding about what law of attraction is and what it isn't. Um, and, like, I got a really great question from my mom yesterday in an email. So, Mom, if you're listening, Hi. Um, (laughs) He asked me if law of attraction was the same thing as focus. And I thought that was a really, really intelligent question.
0: It is, sure. If you don't Uh, understand, that is a very good question. It makes a lot of sense.
1: And my response was basically, yes, law of attraction could be equated with focus because when you focus your attention on something, um, law of attraction really takes hold of it and helps to bring it about. You know, but then of course there's still that question of like, are you even aware of what you're really focused on?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because we might mentally think we're focused on one thing, but if our emotions are actually focused on the opposite of it because we really want this thing really, really bad. Mm. That we're using our words to say, I really, really want this thing (laughs) Well, law of attraction is hearing all the pain and suffering and desperation in my voice. It and it's being felt. It's not being heard. It's being felt. And so what I'm really broadcasting is, Oh, the pain of Mm. not having this thing that's what's being broadcast into the universe, and so then therefore I'm going to get more of this pain of not having this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: so, you know, yes, we can focus all day long on something, and we're going to get a result. Law, I mean, law of attraction is going to make certain we get a result when we're really intensely focused on something. And this to me is kind of to use the illustration you had earlier. This is where somebody might say, see, it doesn't work.
2: Right. Because
1: I was really focusing on, you know, getting this new thing and it didn't ever show up.
2: Mhm.
1: But if you use my example where you, the words are saying one thing, but the feeling of desperation is se- sending the broadcast signal of something else. Well, no, law of attraction worked. It just. When the user of Law of Attraction didn't understand, it appeared as though it didn't work.
0: Mm-hmm. that it was working. Or to put it another way, when th- the result arrived, the user didn't recognize it. Not the user, but the, the person trying mm-hmm. to implement it didn't recognize that it had shown up because it wasn't they were, what they were expecting. Right. What, what they expected was the thing that they so badly wanted was going to show up. So they figured, well, if it didn't show up, then it didn't work. If something and else for them, show-
1: it's really if it didn't show up the way they had the expectation for yeah, it to, yeah. or how they thought it should, or right. how they thought based on what words they were asserting, it should show up this way. But you know, I like to work with a simpler model, which is whatever shows up in your life is there because of law of attraction, mm-hmm. and it also lets you know what you have been focusing on.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's so good.
1: So if you, if you have circumstances that are showing up that are really not pleasant, then regardless of what words you think you're using to, to bring something about, law of attraction is actually saying to you, hey, what you're focused on is what you don't want. And that's why you keep getting more of what you don't want.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And it, and as I think about it, the the whole phenomenon of deliberate creation, particularly in the early stages of learning how to do it. It basically sets us up for an expectation that we really shouldn't have, but we do tend to have as human beings. And that expectation is, I am deliberately creating right now, so therefore I am activating the law of attraction. And as long as I do that, I should get the thing that I that I have in mind. Um, I may not have any, any clear you know, correlation between what I'm trying to attract and what I'm feeling, as you pointed out. That doesn't really work too well, but nevertheless, I may not have that kind of correlation. But nevertheless, I'm focusing on it. And that approach certainly makes sense from the perspective of, you know, anybody trying to do it for the first time. But what it omits is, well, what are you thinking about the rest of the time? What are you feeling the rest of the time? What, what have you been thinking about, for, like, for the rest of the week? And how does all that impinge on what, on what it is that you're trying to attract right now? And, and what is it that you're thinking about for the next three days? And how does that affect what you're thinking about right now? You know, we, we think of it like it's an isolated event, it all by itself, and nothing else touches it. But that's not the way it is. I mean, it's because, the entire yeah, thought the, process the that puts la- the whole picture Law together. of
1: attraction is responding to our vibration or our, what we're feeling 24-7.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: 24-7. Everything that shows up in our world is because law of attraction has brought it to us, because it matched something within us.
0: And, it, and it's the variations about how it can uh, show up and how it can apply that can be confusing. That, that's why I agree with you. It's good to look for manifestations. I, I like the uh, the book that, uh, that Cindy shared with me, the Pam Grout book, E-squared, where the first test, the first little experiment that she had the reader do was to ask the universe to send you something to prove that it's paying attention and that the law of attraction exists, but you're not allowed to specify what it is the universe is going to send to you. The universe has to specify it. And that that kind of approaches what you're talking about, where you, you're just waiting to see what it is rather than trying to say in advance, it's going to be this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard Abraham say this or tell this story, but I've heard them say it probably at least 10 to 15 times, where back in the early days when Esther was actually doing private um, consultations with people, Um, a woman was asking for some specific things, and she was just really having a hard time understanding how law of attraction was working. Mm -hmm. And so Abraham wanted to give a very solid, you know, example, kind of a solid test, and said, well, let's let's just think about, you know, blue glass. And the woman's like, I don't want to think about blue glass. (laughs) Well, Abraham kind of went on a little diatribe, you know, for about 60 seconds or so, and, you know, just talked about blue glass and how blue glass can – you know, be made up into many things. It could be a mobile. It could be a beautiful vase. It could be, you know, dinnerware. Anyway, they went on and on and told more stories about blue glass, and this woman was like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. (laughs) And so – Then Abraham switched to another subject and said, well, let's think about butterflies. And the woman's like, I don't want to think about butterflies. But Abraham went ahead
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: and talked about butterflies and how beautiful they are and they come in so many colors, et cetera, et cetera. And again, did this lovely little thing on butterflies. Again, woman's not having it. So then they said, um, let's just think about feathers. Feathers? Are you kidding? I don't want to talk about feathers. (laughs) You know, feathers can come and... Small little things. You know, you could see a, a feather outside that a bird, like, leaves behind. Or you have down feathers in your pillows. You know, feathers are just beautiful and light and fluffy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the woman is, you know, just like really, ah, I don't. I'm, I'm tired of this. And the call ends. And um, Jerry and Esther, they headed out to go eat or something. And um, as they were coming out of the restaurant, they're walking down this little um, area where there's some shopping places. And Esther goes, I just want to go in this shop. And Jerry's like, really, Esther? She goes, I don't know why. I just I just want to go in there. So they head on into, you know, the, the store. And she goes all the way to the back wall. And she's just staring at these different things. And what was there was a whole wall of things in blue glass.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Esther didn't know why she was seeing all this stuff. and. You know she looked at jerry and she goes okay well it's a bunch of blue glass stuff um don't really need or want anything but okay and so they walked out well then they start heading out toward the beach and they're walking and you know toes in the sand kind of thing and this is the way abraham explained it there was a flurry of butterflies so thick that Esther and Jerry had to physically close their mouths (laughs) so as not to swallow them. There were that many butterflies flying all around them. (laughs) And they just look at each other like, holy cow. You know, of course, they can't talk right now or they're going to swallow butterflies. But, you know, I I can only imagine what you would think if there were such a, a number of butterflies that you had to close your mouth to not swallow them. And, again, Esther and Jerry have no idea why this has happened mm-hmm. but they noticed it Yep. and then they keep walking on the beach and now the butterflies have kind of you know flown off and this little boy heads like appears as though he's running towards esther and esther like noticed it. it's like oh isn't this cute this little boy's running toward me and he hands her a feather <laughs> just hands her a feather and in the moment she's just receiving it like isn't this so sweet this little boy wanted to bestow this feather upon me and it wasn't until that third fe- that that third incident where there was a feather that she recalled the conversation that she had just had with this lady where right. Abraham had talked about blue glass butterflies and feathers yep and the point that Abraham was attempting to make with the lady uh, The client on the phone that the client on the phone would have nothing of is that when you think about something that you have no investment in it doesn't matter to you you don't care about blue, blue glass butterflies or feathers they're just objects that were used purposely for the testing process right because the woman didn't understand how and why law of attraction worked and abraham wanted to give her a demonstration of it now i have a feeling On her end, she may have actually experienced the blue glass, the butterflies, and the feathers, but we'll never know because that wasn't part of the story anymore. But the fact that it came into Esther's world so quickly, within less than a couple hours, Law of Attraction brought all of those things into her awareness, literally with nothing more than about 60 seconds of Abraham talking about it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was enough, enough for Esther while she was, receiving abraham to also be focusing on that Yep. and then she focused on it and then she went on to something else she focused on butterflies went on to something else focused on feathers went on to something else and they went out to lunch
0: which is very cool and and by the way i I think there's another piece to that i i don't know this i'm speculating but the woman who's who was getting this reading was very resistant extremely resistant she just like you said she was having none of it And my guess, now I have no way to prove this, of course, but my guess is that she did have manifestations of blue glass and of butterflies and of feathers, but she didn't notice them. Probably not. She didn't notice them because she was in a frame of mind that says, I don't want to have anything to do with them. So they were there, but she didn't see them.
1: Now, if she absolutely was completely resistant, I I honestly don't know. This is, you know, I don't know would they not have even come into her arena? I don't know.
2: Possible. Possible. Or
1: or like you're suggesting, they did show up, but she couldn't recognize them or acknowledge
0: them. I just have this feeling, and I've had it for a while, that anything that we're asking for, I mean, Abraham's talked about this a lot, anything that we're asking for, it's always right, it's like right outside the door practically. It's in the vortex, it's, it, and it just continues to be there until we let it in. Well, if it's right outside the door, that to me says it's probably within my visual range at some point during my day or during my week, and I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not, not allowing myself to see it because I haven't let let it pass the resistance so far. And Once, well, I, I, once I open the that, resistance, then it's still there. I mean, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that's the way it works very much of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. But the, the key point is where did you place your focus? And I don't know. If this woman was so resistant, she may not even have been listening to Abraham while well, they talked about blue glass, butterflies, and feathers. Mm. But we do know that Esther was in a space of non-resistance. Yes. She was focused on it because she was the one speaking those words. And because that was in her broadcasting vibration or her vibrational broadcast, I said it backwards, <laughs> um, it was easy. for those things to come to her. Now, between you and me, when I say easy, I don't know how easy it would be for me to manifest a flurry of butterflies um, or for a little boy to find a feather and hand it to me specifically, but that's the joy that I have in knowing law of attraction um, is this universal mechanism that is connected to all things and can orchestrate anything on our behalf, which I'm so glad it's not my job. (laughs) Um, But to me, it's kind of like Esther couldn't hide from the law of attraction. She may have not recognized right away what the wall of blue glass was all about or what the butterflies were all about, but when the feather came, because and, and, you know, I can imagine because those three things are so bizarre – you know, so not part of your normal life. I mean, maybe the blue glass, that would be easy to overlook because, you know, if she's a shopper and she loves to go into stores, she looked about, didn't find anything she wanted, and she left. I could see how that might have passed by her radar. But having butterflies that want to fly in my mouth, I think I'd notice that. That (laughs) It probably
2: would, (laughs) yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And having somebody run up to me that I don't know and hand me a gift, you know, that would catch my attention. So the second two I think really did catch her attention, and that's what caused her to go, oh, wow.
0: Right.
2: That's what Abraham was oh, talking I think so. about today.
0: I think so, in a, in a very big way. I'll tell you what, I mean, I love stories like that. In fact, the, the feather one reminded me of an example from the Richard Bach novel, Illusions from the 1970s, in which uh, the, the two main protagonists actually get involved in attracting a blue feather and it, what actually shows up isn't so much a blue feather it's a milk carton that says blue feather dairies on it but the guy who's trying to fetch oh, says funny. oh wow i got it <laughs> which was really kind of a funny little story but um i i'm not I, i'm not as amazed by that as i am by what abraham followers now take for granted that esther hicks can voice abraham i i never lose my amazement over that because it's one of those things you either believe it or you don't. You either believe that that she really is channeling this uh, collection of, of non-physical beings called Abraham, or you think that she's you know a hoax or or just making it all up or something like that. Personally, I believe that it's true. If you do believe that it's true, how can you not be amazed by her ability to channel it so clearly and and to to channel messages? that are coming to her in blocks of thought which she can instantly translate into English just in a in a direct flow I, that to me is just mind-bendingly impressive uh, butterflies by comparison are meager
1: <laughs> <laughs> i would have to agree with you it is, it is pretty pretty darn phenomenal it is phenomenal um, so
0: and and i know that there are no. a lot of people who don't who don't believe in it but you know you don't have to believe in it in order to appreciate the messages the messages are still great i just like that other aspect of it i just think it's amazing
1: well and i and i have no intention of minimizing or taking anything away from what you just said in terms of the the gift that you know esther is able to present um you know because that's that it's not a natural ability it probably is now but it wasn't natural at first she worked at it oh yeah something that got developed but you know just if you think of, like, Robin Williams, I know you've talked
2: about oh, him
1: as yeah. a comic. Yep. I mean, his comedy was so spontaneous, oh. and it just rolled off the tip of his tongue, and he could entertain people for hours and hours on end where none of it was rehearsed, none of it was scripted. It's just what comes out of him. And to me, that's the same type of natural gifting that I kind of think of with a- Esther. hmm you know and that's why i say i'm not trying to take away from her but i think different people have shown up in in this human realm you know with really incredible gifts and you know it's kind of like one person has one gift and one person has another and you know that's this just happens to be esther's
0: yeah and and truthfully robin actually did have little routines i mean he would he would uh memorize certain things that he would include you know, whenever he, especially when he when he wanted to do one of his stream of consciousness things, and, and you could see elements of it that would show up in other performances that he did, but then he'd also have situations like he had when he was on Inside the Actors Studio, where he sees a woman in the audience uh, with a with a Donna Karen scarf, and he asks to borrow the scarf, and he does all this instant riffing with a the scarf. There was no way he could prep that one. I mean, he, had, he didn't have a whole, I, I have a whole closet full of Donna Karen scarves, so I can practice just in case I run into an audience where there's a woman with a Donna Karan scarf in the audience. No, that's not what he did. It was just, that would be a complete waste of time. So clearly he did have his times where he was just going with the flow. And in those times, I mean, you could just tell. It was just whatever was coming to his mind he was going with and he was trusting it. and And he probably didn't even know where he was going with it half the time when he started. That's the thing that amazes me.
1: But there's a key point that you just said. He just trusted it. Exactly. He just trusted it. And I doubt in the beginning, It. I mean, I'm sure once upon a time when he was a little one, you know, he got a laugh and then that was fun for him. And so then he got another laugh and that was fun for him. Yep. And then it started to be more and more. And then he started to trust, hey, when the laughter comes, just keep going with it. Um, in the same way, when anybody receives a message, it comes in a similar way. Um, like when I get messages quite often, and I just trust them now. Mm-hmm. Did I twenty, thirty, forty years ago? Heck no. Um, would have I? I have even been aware that that information was even being received by me. Heck no. But over time, I started to test and pay attention, and then trust. And really, my story about blue glass butterflies and feathers other than the fact it's a fun story, <laughs> is to show that we can test for ourselves to see how we can be deliberate in our creation, where we can work with the law of attraction so that we can see for ourselves we can be deliberate creators. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's been overweight for excessively no, uh, an excessive number of years, then setting up a test to lose 10 pounds... I would go, eh? Not a good test.
0: No, no.
1: If you have zero dollars in the bank and you have been poor most of your life, then to set up a test like, okay, a thousand dollars, I want a thousand dollars by the end of this week. Again, I'd say, eh? Not a good test, because there's so much built-in resistance on those things. That's right. Which is the very reason Abraham had the wisdom to suggest blue glass, butterflies, and feathers because she knew that the woman could care less about those things. There was mm. no resistance in her being about blue, grass, blue glass, butterflies, and feathers. Now, ironically, by the time she was done with the call, she probably had a resistance on all three of them. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> because Abraham wouldn't talk about what she wanted to talk about. Right. So, you know, I like to say if you want to test your own co-creative ability... With the law of attraction, pick something that's just arbitrary, something that's random. Um, you know, even if it's like, I'd love to see an orange, like orange leaves in in the summertime, because normally you see orange leaves in the fall.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you think about orange leaves. Now, you may not see them outside, but like you suggested, the thing that the blue feather on a on a milk carton. Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, just come up with anything, and you'd be surprised at how things can show up. Mm -hmm. Um, Like bluebirds. If you just focus on bluebirds for a little while and how cute they really are and how they, you know, just just talk and think about bluebirds and go, I'd love to see a bluebird. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be a nice test. Mm -hmm. Now, that could show up in so many different ways. Yep. You could walk by a pet store and see birds in there, and there's a bluebird. Yep. A bluebird could actually fly onto your windowsill or show up in your tree. Yep. You might go to someone's house, and they could have a picture on the wall, and in the little corner there's some bluebirds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can show up in so many different ways. Yep. But by suggesting the idea of bluebirds, how much resistance do you really have on that one?
0: Yeah, not much at all.
1: No. And it's like there's so many things that you can think about or come up with that would be like, I don't know why, it just came to me like a gold pen. You know, a nice gold pen. Mm
2: -hmm. That could
1: be something you could test. Sure. I'd like like to manifest a gold pen in whatever shape. It doesn't even have to be something real, but you could see it. There could be a commercial on television where somebody's advertising for promotional items, and a gold pen could be one of them. Or somebody could send you a gold pen promotion in the mail. Mm -hmm. Or you could go to someone's house and just happen to notice it was sitting on their desk.
0: Yeah? But sure. again,
1: how much resistance do you have on a gold pen?
0: I love this concept that you raised, though, of how much resistance is there, and particularly the examples you gave of the people who are trying to lose weight or the people who are impoverished and trying to attract money and so forth. Because critics of law of attraction and law of attraction teachers, these critics say, well, you know, you have all these people who are trying to attract this stuff and, and they fail. And in fact, there was even a study done by a professor at, I'm going to say it was NYU. It was it was one of the universities in New York City. And this was a, a professor who ended up writing an article critical of positive psychology as a result of the study. Because in this study, it was a study helping, or not helping, but studying whether or not uh, women could u- could lose weight using positive thinking. And the conclusion of the author was that they couldn't, And the reason that they couldn't was because they created an unrealistic vision in their minds and were disappointed by it. And therefore, what they were doing was actually working against themselves. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's an interesting way to reject positive psychology because that's what the professor was really doing, uh, in part because it's flawed. But it's also kind of an inverted way of proving what you just said, that the resistance level determines the actual result. The, the, the study people didn't realize what they were actually proving, but they actually really did prove it. <laughs> they proved just exactly what you said, that if, you have, if your study subjects have built-in resistance, they're not going to be able to accomplish anything by just feeling positive. It's not going to happen. And it's nothing wrong with positive psychology. It's, it's a flaw. It's a methodological flaw in the study.
1: Well, you know, when it comes to weight loss, that's been on my mind since I was one digit old. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably eight, nine years old, I started to become aware of weight. And so it's definitely been something that I have had as a, quote, issue in my life as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, But the more masterful I became using Law of Attraction deliberately, the more frustrated I was because I didn't see movement in this area of my life and i thought you know it's not like law of attraction has just decided this is the one area that it's going to stay out of (laughs) we're (laughs) going to pick
0: out wendy diller this week
1: i can't can't hide from the law of attraction even if i want to and the law of attraction doesn't hide from me even if i wanted to (laughs) so i started looking at my life in a very different way like what, what chronic thoughts, what thoughts am I thinking so habitually that are creating the resistance in my life to keep excess weight on that I don't even know or see or acknowledge because I've been thinking them for so long, I just don't even pay attention?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question.
1: And so one little thought at a time would show up in my life where I'd go, oh my God, you know what, I think this all the time. Or here's this silly thing that I do constantly, and I I didn't even realize it. And right now in this moment, thank goodness, kind of, sort of, thank goodness, I can't remember one. But over the last (laughs) probably three years, I have seen a huge shift in this thing that I call the weight loss area. Mm. But you know what, Walt? It didn't start with losing weight. Yeah. It started with changing what I think about myself Mm -hmm. and what I feel about myself and my perception about myself. It really started with my body image, not the physical weight. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of shocking to me. And what to me is like really fascinating because I was very, very self-loathing about my body and about what I look like and what I thought it meant to other people. I thought people would go, oh, my God, she's so disgusting. So when I'd have a friend go, I don't even notice that you're overweight, I'm like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) How can you not see this? (laughs) And they just didn't see the world the way I did. And so I started going, I want to be able to see me the way they see me because it sure seems a whole lot nicer and kinder. And you know what? I don't loathe me anymore. And I think I'm quite beautiful now. And my size really doesn't have a whole lot to do with my own personal self-approval rating. And so that to me is just one something. And I mean, I have such a long story, and it's still an unfolding story. Mm -hmm. But what Mm -hmm. I recognized was there was so much resistance. Yeah. Because this had been something that I'd been working on to change since I was like eight years old. Mm hmm Can you imagine as an entire, I mean, I went through all of junior high, high school, college, then my early years in my 20s as I'm developing you know, my identity and going off into the work world, etc., 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 I was carrying this resistance and then multiplying it, mm. magnifying it, and making it worse.
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Not to mention, we've talked in the past, the more attention you give to something and the more the law of attraction brings more of it to you, you start to create a momentum that is unceasing. Yes. And with as many, as many decades as I had resistance on this subject, oh my God, the momentum was just tremendous. And so teaching myself and allowing myself to slow down the momentum and recognize thoughts that are not serving me and then finding replacement thoughts that serve me better has been quite a, um, I won't even say challenge, it's really been fun. It truly has been fun because I feel like I'm on a different side of the equation now. That's good. I'm, I'm no longer resisting, oh, my God, why is my body still overweight?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I'm in the pleasure side of, oh, my gosh, I feel so much better about who I am, what I look like. And I know that the scale has got to change. That's just, to me, part, that's a law. Mm. And I was sharing with a friend a while back how, I had uh, I'd lost a lot of weight and then you know the typical thing is you gain it back and so I'd lost 60 pounds and then I gained back 20 which to me was very normal typical for my lifestyle of gaining and losing and then for not I mean not for the life of me as I'm going through all these internal changes about my own perception the scale did not budge I stayed within a 2 pound range for a year and a half Yeah now, I got to tell you Even thin people, not even thin people can usually stay in a (laughs) two-pound range.
0: That's pretty unusual.
1: Yeah, and so I thought about that in a positive way, and I went, look what my body is able to do. It didn't matter if I starved myself or if I was a glutton. I still stayed within that two-pound range. Mm. So I was working on just some uh, what I call food rules, because I had a negative food rule about everything and anything. and. That was another area where I went, well, my God, no wonder I don't know what to do or think, because every time I think to eat anything, I have some negative internal programming that it's all wrong. Mm -hmm. So all I can tell you is at some point in the last couple months, my two-pound range has shifted down. Uh Now I'm in a lower two-pound range. Yeah, right. (laughs) And when Christmas came, I ate all sorts of things, and I did it purposely because I wanted to test all my new stuff, all my new thinkings. and I'll be darned if I didn't stay within the two-pound range.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So to me, it's not blue glass butterflies and feathers, and I don't even know specifically what I was focusing on with the exception of what I eat has very little to do with what happens on the scale, because I've been testing that left, right, and all over, and I went – and somehow the scale decided to change, and consistently for at least a couple months,
0: <laughs> I've been in the
1: two-pound lower range, which, like I said, I hadn't budged from, from over a year and a half.
0: And, of course, it's not the scale. You know it's not the scale. I'm, just, I'm sure you do not you, you do know that. No. Uh, but, but it seems like it. It evidence seems like it. Yeah.
1: Of change. And it's been fascinating. And this is one of the little things that – not little. It's one of the things that I've been doing in my deliberate creation – Is watching this whole thing about who I am, how I show up in the world, how I feel about me change dramatically?
0: I imagine you've also had to kind of change your language, the the words that you use and the thoughts that you use and, and the feelings associated with them in order to make those kinds of changes.
1: Oh, yeah. But the biggest thing was I was changing my internal languaging because a lot of what was going on a lot of where the resistance was coming from were things that i never allowed out of my mouth Mm. they were just things i thought every day oh yeah you know and they were filled with shame which is why you know especially shame thoughts you don't say out loud so i had a whole bunch of them that i just never said out loud
2: yeah yeah and and then when i
1: got on the other side of it i would share it with friends and they're like i never thought you thought that about yourself or i never thought you were thinking that i'm like Oh yeah, only for about fifty years. But you know, other only than that, fifty years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we all
1: laugh about it, but I, that's how I have really come to. I came to understand law of attraction more from the negative side at first than the positive.
0: That's unusual too. I mean, most well, people don't, I, don't approach I, I, it that way.
1: Well. I came into Law of Attraction, or like what my understanding of Law of Attraction is today, I started learning without hearing the words Law of Attraction, but I was learning that we are responsible for everything we create. Mm. And so I was saying, I wonder what I did to create this. Mm. That was a common phrase for me. I wonder what I did to create this. And so it was mostly I was using it in the negative. Like if all of a sudden... My electric bill skyrocketed three times higher than normal. I go, huh, I wonder what I did to create this.
2: <laughs> mm, yeah, sure.
1: And so what it did is it started to help me pay attention to my thoughts. And that has, that was a huge thing for me. Just paying attention to your thoughts is how, as a deliberate creator, you can deliberately pivot or move your thoughts in the direction you want them to go. But if you don't know what you're thinking, you don't know what you're broadcasting. But Uh, you will know what you're getting as a result.
0: True. Now, now let me ask you something, because this actually is part of a topic of conversation I've had with a number of the other co-hosts. The idea that um, when you continue to focus on, you know, why is it happening and so forth, you're really slowing yourself down, and, and I've had to admit to them that yeah, I mean, I do that a lot because I am just so curious about all the intricate details. I mean, David could care less about the intricate details. He says it just works. That's all I care about. <laughs> I don't think about it. I don't analyze it. I just, I just know that uh, step A, step B, I'm done. <laughs> And it's completely different from the way I look at it because I'm, I'm fascinated by the slightest detail of it. But as David and others have pointed out to me, that fascination actually tends to hold me back at times. I think they're right about that, but I'm curious to see what you think. Do you think that the the attention to, you know, how does this work, why is it happening is holding you back at all?
1: Um, I think there's two sides of that coin. Okay. Well, no, actually, I'm going to take that back. There's only one side, and it's what emotional feeling are you broadcasting when you're being curious? Okay. And I believe, for me, because I'm a, I'm a huge learner, and because I'm a learner, I'm, I'm, I'm a curious gal. I want to understand how things work, how things – I want to understand all the same things that you're talking about. Now, when I'm coming from a playful, child-innocent curiosity – I believe that what I'm broadcasting is something that I'm going to get something of a, a like something to match it, which is all of a sudden an awareness with this sense of awe and wonder to me, awe and wonder in a response to what I'm looking for equals the curiosity and excitement that I want to know and understand.
0: It certainly is positive. No doubt about that.
1: Yeah. But on the flip side, if something happens like, okay, the, the bill, my electric bill skyrocketed three times its normal rate, and I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is this about? Why did this happen? I want to understand what on earth happened. Is my is my heater broke or, you know, am I having leaks or what's going on? Now, obviously, the tone of my voice easily gave away what I was broadcasting. Sure. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm mad. Well, now the law of attraction is going to be, bring me more of that. So, I think when the other co-hosts are talking about, you know, asking why could bring you down, well, it could, but it might not. It all depends on how you're feeling when you're putting out the question, I want to understand why. Why?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's really good because I, I can kind of look back on my own experience with trying to understand stuff and know that there were times when I was asking why with a feeling of desperation, and other times where I was just asking why with, like, like I'm curious. I, I don't get this. Like, how how can that be? Please, somebody okay. explain to me. I just don't get it. It's a different feeling entirely.
1: Well, and that leads me back to um, another email my mom was writing to me about yesterday, and she was really asking some awesome questions because she, I had sent her a response to something a while back, and she wanted to take some time to think about it. And one of the things I commented was that, I said something like, if you never told anybody ever again that you felt sick, you would actually start to see movement in a positive direction in your life. Mm -hmm. Because every time she's not feeling good, she tends to tell that to whoever's around. Right, yeah. So, like, if you were to go back through the emails that I've received from her, I would say probably 85% of them have something in there having to do with negative physical symptoms. She just tends to talk about it a lot and in that respect i was wanting to suggest that she edit that kind of information when she's writing to me or talking to anyone because in that case when i know when she's talking about it she's wanting you to know the pain and agony of how bad she feels okay and so that i know is not broadcasting a positive signal What she was saying in her email was something like, but I keep hearing that it's really good to like let go of this stuff and to release it and, um, you know, you're only sick as your secrets and, and it's good to release your pain. And so she's like, I'm, I'm really wanting to, to like express it and let it out. And I responded and I'm like, yeah, I can see how this could, would be conflicting information. Because on one side, I'm saying, never, I'm saying don't ever talk about it again, and other people are saying, you know, go ahead and talk about it, and this is how you get rid of it. Right. My response was somewhere in the middle, but it was exactly to what I said to you. It depends on how you feel when you're saying it.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: yes.
1: Now, you heard me talk starting last week, you know, in a little bit of this week, of the head cold that I had. Right, yes. And I was very clear that if I chose to broadcast that information, that I did not want to broadcast it in a way that I was saying, oh, God, well, yeah, I got sick just like everybody else, you know, the <laughs> flu season's going around, and I got swept up in the vortex of the flu season. Oh, it's what a miserable thing. No. That was not – as a matter of fact, how I talked about it each day, it was my win.
2: That's right, yeah. Because
1: I learned something from it. I learned how to recognize, wow, I'm getting these symptoms and I'm trying to deny them. So what did I do? I'm like, I let go. And when I let go, I felt better and I knew the resistance was gone. So sure, I was talking about a head cold that some people would go, oh, that's a negative thing. But I chose to speak about it in how I wanted to view it. I wanted to view it as, you know what, my body is an incredible creation. It knows exactly what to do with the symptomology. It knows how to bring me back to health. That's what its job is, is to bring me back to health. That's why I have an immune system. Mm -hmm. So if if, if my mom wants to talk about being sick, but she can talk about it on the flip side or on the way of I'm moving toward wellness, then I say, by all means, go there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but I agree. if you're
1: just going to drag out a story that makes you feel bad, now you're reactivating the pain, and now you're calling more of that to you. So there's not really an easy answer of do you say it or not say it because it's really all about what are you broadcasting when you say it.
0: And as I think about it, when I've uh, talked with other people about this kind of thing and, and they've raised you know very, very similar questions, um, my reaction to the, the the experience the pain or not experience the pain thing is, yes, experience the pain in order to desensitize it. Just don't live in it.
2: Mm-hmm. Do,
0: do it once. Get rid of the pain. Release the pain. But if you keep going back to feel the pain, 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 you're living in it so you're you're actually doing the opposite of what you're hoping to do you're not desensitizing you're resensitizing you're making it even, yourself even more sensitive to it so again, how are you using it? Are you using it as a way to release it? then great, release it and be done with it. but don't live in it that that, you know, that just pain, works against it pain
2: is
1: just, pain is just a message it's just a message it's just information it's just data. but when we judge it as bad that's where we get into the okay now i'm broadcasting in a negative way
2: Mm -hmm. and,
1: and i think i think i could say this accurately when i was talking about i had a head cold the way i thought of it that's just information i was just stating what was but i wasn't judging it as this is bad because when we place judgment on something that's when we activate a whole bunch of negative feelings and then the law of attraction goes oh we get we get those negative feelings and it brings more of what we're judging as
0: bad yeah in short you just weren't feeling bad about it you you didn't feel it as a bad thing you just you felt it but not as that you experienced it in a different way and I like the way you were you're talking about how you turned it around because I there have been times where I've talked with somebody and they said well you know what, what is it with this deal? Do I, do I want to uh, put my attention out and forget it or do I want to keep focusing on it or whatever? And my reaction is usually along the lines of, well, the reason people want to forget about it is that they know their tendency is to put the, the uh, request out and then to start going through all kinds of thoughts about doubt and wonder and yearning and not feeling sure and they start pulling themselves away from that real strong feeling place. So that's their way of cutting themselves off from that. But as your example points out, you don't have to have that kind of reaction. You can also alternative, not also, you can alternatively have the reaction of, okay, I'm putting it out there and I'm going to find all these ways to feel good about it. So I'm not going to go into a decline. If anything, I'm going to go into an increase. You can, mm-hmm. it, it just depends on the way you decide to feel about it and to look at it and to, and to focus what you're feeling inside upon. If, so, so again, it's the choice. What are we choosing to focus on? That's what I loved mm-hmm. about the way that you approach it. And, um, and I can see how, I mean, you, you apparently have had a lot of resistance where weight is concerned. You're, you're, you're learning how to, to root out that resistance and get it out of the way and get to the point where you're thinking about yourself as like a, a thin person, you know, <laughs> as a person mm-hmm. who's feeling good about it and all that kind of stuff. And, and I love that. I love that you're doing that.
1: Well, and I had, um, you know, and here's the cool thing is I love what I'll call amnesia. In the respect that their thoughts I've been thinking for so long, but when I get a new thought that replaces the thought that has not served me, I start to have amnesia over the thing I used to think, oh, that's even if cool. I thought it for 50 years. That's so, cool. So, you know, some I, I'm not a, I'm not a natural journaler unless I feel led to journal, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm glad because if I go back and read journals that I did <laughs> years ago, I can so easily get just pulled back into the pain of it, and then I reactivate it. So I'm glad I don't have all the negative journals. But I will tell you that I was working on a thought that I was very aware was not serving me, and I struggled, I mean really struggled to find, well, I know this thought doesn't serve me, but I don't know what thought will. Mm. And I just kept asking my inner being, help bring me into a place that I can finally receive what you're thinking about me. Because I know you don't think this bad thing because the reason it feels bad is because you're not thinking it.
2: Mm. So one
1: day I was just in a space where all of a sudden this phrase came to me, and it was, I am naturally thin. Nice. And I went, huh? Now here's what seems so funny, silly, weird about this. Those are words that I have probably said 100 million times in the past. With no budge of the needle. No, res- no resistance was removed. Mm-hmm. But that particular day, it came from inside of me
2: yeah. in a
1: way that I knew it to be true.
2: Mm, that's good. It
1: so blew out all thoughts that were contrary to it, I knew that I would never think those other ugly thoughts again. Because I am naturally thin became the essence of who I am
2: and And I say that with
1: so much internal knowingness and passion it resonates with me it like bounces off I feel like all corners of the universe is saying yes 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 this is Wendy and Wendy is naturally thin and it does not matter what my body looks like because I know eventually my body has to end up looking like somebody who says about themselves I am naturally thin
0: that's really great. And that's I a, that's have, a wonderful breakthrough. I have, so
1: much, I have so much joy in that knowingness, that that's not just a cute little phrase. No, no. It's my identity now. That's really good. See? Oh, I know what the old one was. <laughs> my old one was that I was fat. No. <laughs> <laughs> I lived and breathed that as such a real thing. I, called my, I, I would say I am fat. That was what I believed for years and years and decades.
2: No and isn't longer. it funny?
1: I could I had a hard time finding it because
2: That's good. I am
1: naturally thin is such a truth to me that now all the atoms and cells in my body eventually have to line up with that. And little by little, I'm letting other thoughts that don't serve me be dwarfed.
0: And the only sad thing about being thin is that we're completely thin on time because there isn't any of it left. So
1: we- <laughs> oh, that was really clever, Walt. I love that. We are thin on time. <laughs> This is a fun conversation, and bottom line, I don't think you can hide from the law of attraction, even if you tried. (laughs) I
0: don't think you can either, but uh, I can promise you we're going to find new ways to explore it uh, starting tomorrow, so please do it again with me tomorrow, okay?
1: You got it. Let's tune all back in. (laughs) All right,
0: and we'll see you all tomorrow as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye-bye now.